Mother's Day. I'm going to start off with a quick funny story. Or is the mic okay? Okay, we have problems for service though. Um, everybody could hear my heavy breathing. I just want to start off with a funny story. So I, all of you middle school moms will appreciate this. Our middle daughter was riding in the front seat with me to um, youth group on Wednesday and she's digging through her bag and we are working on organization skills with her and just actually caring about anything, really. And she, um, she's digging through her bag and she pulls out $20 and she's like, mom, look, $20. She was like, see, it totally pays to be unorganized sometimes because then you found things you thought you lost and it's like Christmas all over again. And so those are my days. Um, right now we have, um, we have two that are 14 months apart, both in middle school, and then we have a 10-year-old boy. And so um, I'm very much in the deep of mom world right now, and we just started the teenage years. So um, yeah, pray for us. It's fun. We have great kids. So anyways, but we just got back this weekend. Um, most of you probably know, but we had our um, annual ladies retreat this weekend, and it was just an incredible time of seeing God answer prayer. And what I love so much about it is I loved that the, the weekend started with just a night of, of absolute beautiful surrender in worship. And, and God had given us this picture of... Um, the, the woman with the alabaster jar, and it was the most precious thing that she had, and it was costly to her, and, and she took a huge risk by coming into this man's house that Jesus was having dinner, laying everything that represented her former life and all that she was not at the feet of what she wanted to be and what she thought that she could be. And so it was a, it was a night um, on Thursday night of, of women just laying down fears, laying down shame, laying down everything that they thought and believed that they were not in place of what he could be in their lives. And that's how we kicked it off. And God had given me this picture going into, into the ladies' re retreat of this um, this, this pond, and it was, it was stagnant, it was disgusting, there was debris floating all over. Have you guys ever had God give you a picture and you can kind of smell something with it? I've heard people say sweet before. I could literally smell the, the stench of, of muck and gross coming off of this pond. And the next thing I saw was I saw this giant stick, and I saw this hand take this stick, and I heard the Lord say, stir up stir up the waters, stir up the waters, stir up the waters. And the next thing I saw was I saw this, this disgusting, gross pond, stagnant and, and not full of life, turn into this beautiful free-flowing river, free river, something that, that would bring life. And when you stand in a river, right, you're standing in a river and there's an ebb and flow, right? There's something coming through you, passing on. It doesn't stop, it doesn't get stagnant, it doesn't get stale, but it is just fresh and it is flea-flowing. Something's coming into you and something's going past you, correct? There's no stopping. And what I felt like he said was I said, we have, we have a body of women that are stuck. They're stuck and they're stagnant and they don't know where to go. And God said, stir up the waters. I've called them to be free-flowing rivers. And so that's what we did. We prayed over them. We declared life over them. We called things that were not as though they were. I saw, I saw prophetic giftings rise up in women. You know, and what I loved about it is it wasn't just one season of life. 
We had women that were single. We had women that were knee deep in dirty diapers in the mom world with small kids. We had moms of teenagers and we had empty nesters and we had grandmas. And what I saw is I, got, I saw something stirring inside of each of them and a realization that God had called them to be nurturers. He has called them to be nurtured by him and he has called them to nurture and give life to somebody else. And, and I love I have conversation and I, you know, I'm talking to a single woman and she's telling me, you know, I don't have to wait to live my life. I don't have to wait until I find a man and get married to start nurturing. That revelation is alive in her. You know, I am choosing right now that I'm not gonna love the world, that I'm not gonna wait for life to start, but I'm gonna link arms with the Lord and I'm gonna do what he's called me to do. And you saw that. You saw mothers, empty nesters waking up and realizing that they still have a purpose, that they still matter, that God has a plan for them. It is not a season of mourning what they don't have, but it's eyes being opened to see the vulnerable and weak among them that need a mother, that need a grandmother. And so it was just a weekend of, of seeing that, of God birthing unity. And what I want to say is it was also a weekend of prayer for every lady here. You are not forgotten. You are not, not a part of what God's doing. This is what I want to say. We are just getting started. We are just getting started. And so my prayer is some of that is stirred in your hearts today. I've asked a couple ladies that were there to come and just bring their testimony. So Kim... And Holly, if you guys would go ahead and come up here. Everybody give them a hand. Y'all know this isn't easy to do. Which one wants to go first? You need this? Everybody, this is Holly. Everybody say hi, Holly. You have to hold the mic. Do you need me to hold it for you? You got it? Hey, guys. Okay. As where I come from, it's more like, hey, y'all. Um, I'm a Charlestonian, and... I decided that on my birthday that my brother, actually, let me reiterate that. Um, a few days before my birthday, I came to the bottom of my life, if you will, and I just I drew the white flag of surrender. And I was like, look, and I came to my brother, and um, a lot of you know who my brother is, and I was asked not to mention any names, but... You know, he deserves that testimony, and so does this church. Uh, but my brother, Danny Bean, was the one who brought me here. Um, he lives in Nashville, Tennessee. And I was like, why do you want me to go to Eastside in Charlotte? I must pass 50 churches on the way there. Why Eastside? And he says, you'll understand once you get there. I got here the first day, which was on my birthday. And as Pastor Alex said earlier, there's nothing normal about this church. I walked in, and I sat down, and I was like, what in the world did he just bring me into? All right, well, let's, let's just do it. And Pastor Alex got up here, and he was, you know, very gracious. And he said, if this is your first time, which I'm certain my brother, you know, warned him that I was coming. Uh, he said, understand this is not going to be something you're used to, and we're going to see you through it. So with that being said, I went to ladies' retreat this past weekend. Um, I've grown in a lot of my faith since I've been here since the beginning of January. I come from a very dysfunctional family and dysfunctional background, thinking that I could do life on my own, my way, in the way of the flesh, not in God's way, not linked with the Lord above.
And so then I came to know the Lord, and through the grace and mercy and prayer and the presence of the Lord, I was sent to this retreat that we went to this weekend. And I've not ever done anything like that before. And in my dysfunctional life, um, (laughs) I grew up with three brothers and a mom and a dad. And my mom always worked. My dad always had something else better to do than to be with us children. Uh, But on this retreat, I was surrounded by a group of ladies. And there was love and compassion and season and surrender. And as Cheryl said, a stirring of that stagnant water. I gave my life to the Lord here. I was baptized here by Stephen Vulo. um, And... I started to have the ebb and flow. Something stopped the ebb and flow, though, and a part of my life had become stagnant again. And I didn't know how, I didn't know why, but I learned how and I learned why this weekend. So I had to lay that down and I had to get rid of it out of my alabaster box and put it at the feet of Jesus. And I did that on Thursday night with the help of Liz and the help of Cheryl and the help of all of the elderly ladies that were there. And maybe not even the help of all of the utterly ladies, some that are of my age, and maybe even some that are younger. And I learned that my word was grief and was of shame. Uh, grief of the person that I was of the flesh, and shame that I had allowed myself to be that person to begin with. Um, but I had to put that down and leave that on that mountain and put that at the foot of, feet of Jesus at the cross. Now, guys, I wasn't prepared for this at all. I didn't have any preparation, so I apologize that I didn't have any kind of preparation for this message. <laughs> this was just brought on me this morning I'm when I sorry, showed up for the I'm first sorry. service. <laughs> so I, I really don't have any preparation, but over the time and over the course of learning that I have learned along the way, I was given, this book was put on my bed and put on all the ladies' beds that went to the retreat this weekend. And last night I was praying and I was worshiping and I got to this one page. It says it's meant for Wednesday, but I didn't want to wait till Wednesday. (laughs) And so I went ahead and I started reading and it says, by grace, we are right now God's workmanship, his work of art, designed, formed, because we were formed in the mother's room, womb, excuse me. We were ruined because of our worldly ways, or at least I was. And we're redeemed and restored. Yeah. And we're redeemed and restored in that box as we give that and pour that over the feet of Jesus. We're restored and redeemed. And we go in and we look for more. And we want to go deeper. And we want more. We want more. And so that's what I've been praying for this past weekend was more. But before I got there, um, y'all, I was given my first Bible by Pastor Alex. So I wanted to pay him for it. He didn't seem it. He he said no. Um, And there's a lady here that actually um, was kind enough to get me to the retreat and she thought that she was standing in the right place at the right time so thank you for that if you're here if you're not then still thank you for that um but i was reading in the word romans chapter 5 
faith triumphs in trouble. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Now hope doesn't disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So regardless of if it's your first time, if you're a long-time person here, I learned over this weekend that it doesn't matter how long you've been in your walk. Everybody's in a season. Now, some of you are on social media. Some of you are not, as I have come to find out in my personal walk. And I came across a meme on Facebook yesterday. And on this meme, it's about a lady, and I've tagged you and some of you in it. And so some of you have seen it. Some of you have not. Um, but there's a lady and she's running and she wants to give up the race because she's tired and because she's losing hope and because she just wants to give up. She's tired. She's worn out. She can't do it anymore. And this other lady also wants to give up. But people, ladies, gentlemen, y'all, congregation, this other lady went back and she said, I'm not giving up and neither are you. And if that didn't scream what this weekend was about to me, then nothing else in this world did. Yeah. Because I laid down what was in my alabaster box, and I stirred up my waters, and just a small meme on Facebook could mean so much to me that no matter where you are in your life, if you see somebody struggling, our job is to nurture, as Cheryl has taught, as Liz has taught, and as all the ladies of the church have taught me over the weekend, that it is ebb and flow. It is ebb and flow. It's nurture. So if you see somebody in a not nurturing sense or needs help, you reach out and you go and you help them in hopes that they find their way. With that being said, one final word before I step down off this podium that I wasn't prepared for this morning. <laughs> um, Yesterday when I got home, the grief and the shame was of the person I was before that I had buried. But even still, it kind of brings up that shame and guilt from time to time. And whether it was Cheryl, Anna, Joe, Zoe, excuse me, not Joe, um, or Liz, there was someone that said, you have to, an eagle takes a bit of the nest away each time so that they are able to fly free. Yeah. Um, I've done that, or I thought I'd done that, but there's still a piece of that nest that I was holding on to. And that's where that grief came from. And that grief was, I still want my daughter to be my daughter. I don't want her to, I'm a single mom, and I don't want her to branch out on her own. I don't want her to go away. Or, and she has gone away. She has, you know, so I've got emptiness syndrome. But with that being said, she's only a couple of miles up the road. But I may or may not be going somewhere else in the way of God's world and being somebody else that he wants me to be now. 
And so when I got back off of the mountain yesterday and I got back into town where I'm from, I drive an hour one way every week to church. I went back and first thing I wanted to do was I wanted to go see my daughter. And so I went and I saw my daughter and she asked me about my weekend. And I told her everything about my weekend and I worshiped with her and I nurtured her as an ebb and flow through me to go to her. And while she may not be on the correct path that she may need to be on, I'm hoping that she will see me in my flourishing. Yeah. And she will be like, hey, look at mom. I want to be a part of that. Yeah. And she's going to get there. And I know she's going to get there. Yeah. But yeah. I just want her there a little bit faster. <laughs> Sorry for being selfish. But so that's what God's taught me over the weekend. Everybody stretch your hands out towards Holly right now. Father, I just, I just feel like we need to pray over her. Father, I thank you for the work that you've started in Holly. Father, I thank you that she has the mind of Christ. And I thank you that as she continues to dive into your word, that you continue to nurture her, that you continue to bring revelation, that you continue to renew her mind of the truth. Father, and we just agree with her for salvation to come to her home. Father, for her daughter to have a revelation of who you are. And I thank you that you give Holly the words to say. And did you let Holly know that we are with her and we're supporting her. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you. All right, Kim. Yeah, that deserves the hand. Y'all, that's what it's all about right there. That's why we do what we do. You don't have to do it. If you want to, you can. Good morning. <laughs> a little bit weird up here um, for me. Um, so I'm just going to get comfortable because this is my house. Um, so my uh, experience was a little bit different. Um, I went into this weekend very, like, chill, calm. I was like, man, I'm in a good place with the Lord. Like, me and Jesus are just hanging out. Like, this weekend is not about me. Oh, I'm just going to be able to, like, enjoy and, like, pour into others. And, you know, I've been through lots and lots of seasons in the time since I've been here. I've been at Eastside for nine years. Um, yes, yeah, it's been a long time. Um, <laughs> and so I've been through lots and lots of different things um, during that time here. Um, I've had losses. I've had successes. Um, and so, you know, I've had a lot, of, a lot of ups and downs. And so I kind of finally feel like I'm in a place and I was like, I am comfortable. I am confident. My relationship with the Lord is solid. And like, there's nothing that I want in this world more than Jesus. And that is just, whew, I am, I am great. I am golden. Like, this is, this is it. I'm living my life. Um, you know, I'm single and I'm enjoying it. And, you know, I am just, all these wonderful things are, are happening. And so this is great, you know, yeah. And so, you know, we were going through the weekend and, you know, I'm like praying for folks and things are just, you know, going. And Cheryl's like, you know, how are you? And I'm like, I, yeah, I am great. Like, really? There is everything about right now is wonderful. I, I wouldn't change a thing. There's nothing that I want to change. And then the Lord said, um, hold on, I wrote it down because I have to say exactly what he said. Uh, oh, the Lord said, you can't stay here. And I was like, wait, 
I'm sorry, I'm so confused, because this is such a good place that I'm in right now. Like, are you serious? Are you kidding? Because I am, I'm great. Like, we're friends. We talk every day. Like, we love each other. You love me, Lord, I love you. We hang out. I'm, like, spending more time with you. I'm, like, you know, what do you mean? And he's, like, you can't stay in this place. And I was, like, but it's so comfortable. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then that's what happened. And so the Lord literally said to me, don't be afraid of next steps. You have to keep moving, and I will be with you every step of the way. Don't be anxious about leaving this place of peace this season. There will be trials, but I still have you. I'll lift you up. I won't let you fall. And in that, I realized that even though I am in this place of comfort, I didn't think that I was like stagnant because it's good, right? So like I think sometimes, you know, even when Cheryl was describing being stagnant and like there's this stench and like it's just, you know, I'm like, no, I'm not over there. Like I'm not in that because I didn't think that I was. I was in a place of comfort, but it was still still, right? And so whether your stagnancy smells horrible or whether it smells like perfume, it doesn't really matter. If you aren't moving, you're still stagnant. And so for me, I was really comfortable in this place. And the Lord was like, you can't stay here. You have to take a step forward. And I was like, but it's going to change where I am right now. (laughs) It's going to shake up the water. And what if it's bad? Because it's so good right now. Like, that's the thing. I mean, it's so good, right? Like, I think a lot of times we think about it like, this place is awful, and I don't want to be here anymore, and so I'm going to walk away. But I'm in a place where I'm like, it's so good. And if I take this step, it might be bad again, and that is terrifying. And the Lord is, you know, he just said to me, don't, don't be anxious about leaving this place. Whether it's good or bad or whatever, I'm going to be right there with you holding you every step of the way. And because I'm doing that, because I'm carrying you, carrying you and caring for you in this, it does not matter what happens, right? You just have to focus on me. I'm your source. Yeah. Um, and so the reality is for me, I learned that I should be dependent and hungry for the Lord moment by moment. I can't get complacent, even if it's in a place of good. I can't get complacent. And as I was just kind of praying this morning and getting ready for church, um, the song New Wine just kept swirling around in my head. Um, And just that idea of like, I got really, really comfortable in that wine skin. I fit perfectly. It was just snuggly and I was comfy in there and I didn't want to get out. And uh, you know, the reality is in the Lord is like, yeah, but I'm trying to put new wine in there. And because you don't want to move into a new place, into a new wine skin, you're going to burst. And the wine that's in there is going to be sour. And so that is what I got this weekend. Pretty cool stuff, huh? So that's what happened at Ladies Retreat. That and a lot more. And um, sorry, y'all, give me a second. I'm trying to see what we need to touch on and what we don't. You know, one of the common things that I keep hearing about, um, you know, through the service today and through the testimonies that have been given, both first and second service, is just this revelation that God's bringing us to this place that 
um, apart from him, we can do nothing, right? You know, he, I think my whole life I've had this idea that um, I'm, I'm responsible for what he gives me, right? We hear stewardship happen all the time. I, I need to steward my children well. I need to, you know, steward my finances well and, and everything like that. And in, in my personality just takes that and says, okay, that's how it works. God gives me kids to steward and I come up with a seven-step plan on what that needs to look like and we go get her. And that's, that's how it works, you know? And then I find myself halfway through the seven-step plan going like, Lord, this is too much, I can't do this, and it's not working, and yada, yada, yada. So the, the thought process is that we are, we are always told we have to steward things. And what God is showing me, actually, Vula, um, Stephen Vula said it in transition a couple weeks ago, and that is this. He said, there is an invitation being given. There is an invitation being given to partner with heaven. And that is the missing link that I think a lot of us have, whether it be in parenting, whether it be in our jobs, whether it be in anything that we find ourselves responsible for, finances. Void of it being a partnership with heaven, it will not work. In and of our own strength, we cannot do it. Stewardship of what God's given us looks like Partnership, not perfection. Stewarding our children, stewarding our finances, it looks like partnership, not perfection. It looks like us positioning ourselves to hear the Lord. You know, I don't know the best thing to do. I've never parented teenagers before. I don't know how to do this. They throw me, they're good gracious hormones. Whew. You never know what you're going to get walking through that door, right? But what I know is that God has called me to steward them well, and that looks like me asking him, what is the way to teach them how to follow you? What is the right response in parenting in this? It takes a reliance on the Holy Spirit. The other thing that God was showing me with that was last week, um, Arthur, and, and Alex, I know you touched on this already, but last week Arthur was talking about how the Lord is sitting there and he's leaning in. He's, he's waiting to be gracious. He's, he's waiting to, uh, to lend a hand to help us. You know, and I think a lot of times my perception of the Lord when it comes to what he's given me to steward is he's waiting for me to mess up. And nope, that wasn't the right way to do it. Nope, that wasn't the right way to do it. Nope, that wasn't the right way to do it. Instead of recognizing that he's extending a hand of grace, he's extending a hand of mercy, and he's saying, hey, I'm here. I'm leaning in. Take my hand. We can do this together. I have grace for you to do this. I have wisdom. I have discernment. I have everything you need to partner and do this well, right? And it's not in and of myself. There's a story um, there's a story in, uh, in Judges, and I'm not going to read it, but I am just going to quickly, um, I'm going to quickly just kind of summarize it for you. Um, it's the story of Judges, or a story in Judges, and it's about Deborah. If you've never read or studied Deborah, I encourage you to. Um, you know, it, was dur it took place during a time when um, the Israelites did not have a king. They were um, constantly under, um, under attack from different, different uh, countries and different people. And they continually did, it says over and over again, if you read Judges, and they continually did evil in the eyes of the Lord, doing whatever seemed right in their own eyes. 
and they continually, so you read it and it says, and the Lord extended mercy. And then two chapters later, and the Lord extended mercy, he sent a judge, he sent a military leader full of faith to lead them. And they continually did wrong in the eyes of the Lord, doing whatever seemed right in their own eyes. And then you read again, and he sent a king, and he sent mercy, and da 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 da, and then it goes back again. So you see a group of people that the Lord passionately loved, and in my mind's eye, I always thought that his mercy looked like, looked like him rescuing me from the situation, right? But instead, you see a merciful God that is allowing his children to learn things the hard way, right? He's allowing his children to learn things the hard way. But as soon as they, it says, as soon as they turn their hearts to the Lord, he was there. He was there to provide a way of escape. And so you pick up in Judges 4, and it's the story of Deborah. And what I love about Deborah, the Bible says this about her. It says that she was a prophetess, she was a counselor, she was a trustworthy leader, and she was a judge. And what's amazing about this passage of scripture, if you read it, is it's a really a beautiful partnership of what I believe God's called the body of Christ to be. It's men and it's women working together. There is, there is a head, there is a, there is a leader that God's called to. There is a brack, is the leader that's God's called. But then you have somebody that, prophetess that God's gifted as in Deborah to help bring counsel, to be a helpmate, to help guide, to help pray, to help see things ahead and, and pray against them and say, hey, God's saying this, be on the lookout for this. And you don't see this, you don't see this like woman trying to overpower this man. You see them working together. And I think it's just such a beautiful picture of, you know, my heart breaks so much in our culture when I see, you know, um, I don't want to be careful with this, guys, because I know there's hurt there. But when I see, you know, the Me Too movements and, and, women's, and women's live movements and all these things, because I think, like, have, have, is there a need for healing and is there hurt? Absolutely. Absolutely there is. But the answer is not us women rising up and, and saying, look at this man. They don't need to be here. We're stronger. We're better. You know, all these things. The answer is mothers raising up and being willing to nurture, seeing the hurt and saying the answer is the truth of God's word. It is the only thing that brings healing. It is the only thing that brings revelation. It doesn't matter how strong you are. It doesn't matter how strong you are. We will never change our culture with that mindset. And so I love, I love, I love to see, you know, the two working together to accomplish what God wants. So what happens in, in Judges 4 is Deborah prophesies. She says, you are, so there was an army that was oppressing the Israelites. And so she goes, Brack, uh, Brack the, the leader of the Israelites, goes to her and says, and says, um, we want to we go up against this army. Will you come with us? And she says, yes, God's going to give you the victory. And she prophesies, but it's going to come, but it's going to come at the hands of a woman. God's going to give you victory, but it's going to come at the hands of a woman. And so they go in to meet the army of the king. The leader of the, the, leader of the opposing army names what name was Sisera. Let me look at that, make sure I got that right. Sorry, y'all, I'm skipping all over my notes because of time, so bear with me. The, the military leader at that time for the opposing army was Sisera, and there was an ally tent, there was an ally camp there of a husband and a wife, and the wife's name, switch. Okay. And the wife's name was J.L. Has anybody ever heard of J.L. before? Have you ever... Have you ever read her? She, it's a really quick couple passages of scripture. So if you read it too fast, you'll skip over it. 
But what I want us to see and what God was showing me in this is you have the Israelites over here being led by Barak and Deborah assisting him. And you have the opposing army over here. The leader of that army is Sisera. And then you have this camp over here of this, of this group of people that are allies to Sisera. So the opposing army. But what you see is you see that this, this tent over here, which is Jael and her husband, this camp over here, they at one point in time were allies to the Israelites. But her husband's heart has turned, and she, they are now allies to the opposing army of the people of God. So the, the battle happens. God gives, as Deborah prophesied, God gives the Israelites victory. The opposing leader of that army, Sisera, flees. And where he flees is that place, that ally camp, that ally tent of Jael and her husband. So he goes and he seeks hiding. And this is what God was showing me about this. So what happens is he comes into the tent. You know, she's hospitable. She gives him something to drink. She gives him, a, Jael gives him a place to sleep. And then what happens is, y'all, and it's so crazy. What happens is he goes to sleep and she takes a tent peg and a mallet and she drives a tent peg through his temple. Pretty weird, right? Right? Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> Great message. But this is this is the this important part. All that to say, this is what God was teaching me, is he was saying what you see with JL is you see her culture, her husband, her home life, what she knew was defining and choosing to hide and entertain sin, entertain the world. What was comfortable, what was easy, what, what, was, what looked like the stronger way to go, this is the easier way, this is where the victory is, this is the stronger way to go. What her culture was telling her was to partner with the enemy, right? So she in and of that moment had an opportunity to partner with the enemy and entertain the enemy, and entertain all that the world stood for. And in and of that moment, she made a decision. I will partner with the people of God and not the world. And she even went a step further than that. Not only did she say, I'm going to partner with the Lord, she put to death the evil that was in her home. She put to death the evil that was in her home. Mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, grandmothers, grandfathers, we have to wake up. We have to wake up. And what God was showing me is that tent doesn't just represent my home. That tent doesn't just represent this home. That, that tent represents the world. That, represent, that tent represents what he has given us as believers, a sphere of influence over. And we have a decision to make. We can either entertain the enemy, we can entertain the world's way of thinking, or we can partner with heaven. We can partner with the Lord and be the nurturers that God's called us to be and put to death what isn't truth. Put to death what isn't in the river that brings life. Get it out, don't entertain it. Some of y'all are loving, loving the world too much. He said you can't love the world and love me. You gotta put one to death, you gotta put the world to death. You can't have both. 
Some of you want both. Some of you have allowed both in your home. And this isn't really meant to be a message of condemnation at all. But really just one to stir you up. One to get us to take a realistic look about who are we partnering in life with. You know, the Bible says in Deuteronomy, I've set before you this day life or death, blessings or cursings. Choose life. And it's, it's not hard. You know, you can look at your life and say, I, you know, I, it's too late. It's too late. My kids are grown and it's too late. It's not too late because God says he is leaning in. He is waiting to extend a hand and to be gracious but he's waiting on us to ask. He's waiting on a heart that'll respond. So I'm not sure where you're at this morning, whether it be mom, whether it be single, whether it be empty nester, whether it be father, brother, wherever you're at. I want us to really ask ourselves, who are we partnering with? I want everybody to stand up for me. Christine, if you don't mind, can you come up? I really want you to hear this morning, it's not too late. It's not too late. There's mercy. There's grace. You know, and I know, y'all, you know, I have teenagers now, but in the season of having small kids, it gets weary. It's easy to just let them watch whatever they want to watch. It's easy to check out as a parent. You know, I work, we work full time, come home, you're tired. You don't want to have hard conversations. You don't want to invest in them. You don't want to give them time. Just go watch a movie. So much easier, you know, and I, believe me, we, we do. It's, there's, that's okay. But I just want us to check ourselves. I just want to check ourselves and recognize that we are responsible to steward what God's given us to steward but it doesn't look like us doing it on our own. Partnering with heaven. And what I wanna do this morning is I just, I just really feel like um, we did it in first service and I just want us to have a time of prayer for every woman in here. I don't care if you're 10, I don't care if you're 30, I don't care if you're 100. If you're 100, I wanna talk to you and know all your secrets. But I just want to have a time of prayer and I want the guys in the church to be the one that pray over our ladies. Because I think that one of the things that God's stirring is a healing in churches. Between men and women. He desires, to, he desires to allow women to be who God's called them to be. But he always, always, always operates in authority. But it doesn't look like what we've often seen it look like. He has battles for us to win, like Deborah and Brack, as a team. So I'm going to ask Pastor Alex to come up.
and just pray over the women, actually. Just lead. Lead the men praying. So if, you're, if your spouse is here, then, you know, pray over your wife. If it's a sister, if, you know, if you're uh, a single guy, maybe a great time to meet a girl. Just kidding. Just kidding. No, but in all seriousness, I don't want anybody to be left without somebody praying over them. So go ahead and do that now. If you're with your family, join his families. Otherwise, we're all family here. And we're just going to have a time of prayer. Thank you. <laughs> wow. That's good. You got those two right here. I hear your bones. Yeah. Well, I'll just start by saying we got two right here. We need John. You can you can you? There's Leslie in her corner right here. Can you? Or Doug or somebody? There comes Alex. Somebody. There we go. There we go. Cool. I'll start by saying this is our 28th year right here. Yesterday. 28 years yesterday. Can you believe that, Mass? You lucky woman, you. Lord has blessed you beyond measure. For sure. <laughs> More than she can handle sometimes, Cheryl said. Let's go together, guys. You ready now? But guys, be guys. We're going to be loud, and we're going to pray out loud, okay? Out loud and loudly. If you would repeat after me, Father, that was not loud. Stood again. Father, there. We agree with you. These women, very good. <laughs> Isn't that true? We thank you, Lord, for their creativity. We recognize God. We need them. We're incomplete without them. Hmm. Father, you say in heaven, there's no male or female. We're all yours. Equal. And so, Father, we just say to you today, we're sorry for what the world has put on women. We're also sorry, Lord, for what the church has put on women that doesn't look like you. And we pray freedom for who the Son has set free is free indeed. We pray creativity. We ask you, Lord, that any, any chains 
any captivity that would hold them back from being exactly what you created them to be would be removed in Jesus' name. We speak freedom. Freedom. Abundance. Great grace. Boldness. Confidence. for Deborah, Lord. I'll say this. I'll pray a little bit now, guys. Thank you for Deborah, Lord. Thank you for a political leader and a spiritual leader, a prophetess over the church. I thank you, God, that she did it right. I thank you that she's an example to us all, God. Father, I'm reminded where you say, you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so I have to ask myself, God, did you make a mistake with Deborah? And I know the answer is no. And again, Lord, I, I just I repent for the church and how we want to suppress women sometimes, God. I guess we do that, Lord, out of fear. Somehow that we're going to get it wrong. God, if we'll just follow you in your presence, God. You're going to work it out for good. So I thank you for a great example. I thank you for the release of these women. I thank you for freedom to be everything they created to be. God, I thank you that if you gave a woman a leadership gift, that she's free to lead. That you don't expect her not to. <laughs> and you didn't make a mistake. So we thank you, God. We thank you for these moms, these future moms, and these people who know moms. We thank you for all the ladies, God. We ask you that you bless them. We pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, 